time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Happy Friday, St. Louis. It's 8.30-something here in uh, St. Louis. It's Hancock and Killian for our regular gig. We'll yeah. stick around. What till, What time we stay until? I don't know. Here's something you don't see every day, though. What's that? Michael Kelly's in town. Yeah. You uh, just got back in town. I did, and uh, I'm glad to have been back. I came through that lovely airport of ours, John. Uh, it's a bustling It's a bustling place. It needs to be cleaned. It does. It does. Well, they're gonna they're gonna rebuild the whole thing. Right? I can't wait. They're gonna turn it into one big uh, happy terminal. Buddy, I had an experience in the Uber. Uh, you had coming an Uber. home, yeah. So yeah. I'm driving on the Uber. Yeah. Back to my place. Okay. And um, the guy decides he wants to talk to me. Okay. Now, I don't know about you. I'm I'm not a person who likes to engage in the Uber. I love talking to the Uber driver. Okay. Well, he posed the question to me. Yeah. I, I, for a second, I thought he recognized me or may have known me. He How old was he? Uh, about my age. Oh, he doesn't listen. He, he didn't. Yeah, exactly. And he says, uh, what uh, What do you think about the upcoming election? And I thought, oh, this is, yeah. you know, here I am driving through, uh-huh. you know, the city. What, uh-huh. what do you want? I said, I don't know. What do you think? And he <laughs> goes, well, if the election's between Trump and Biden, who are you going to be with? He said, oh, I'll be with Joe Biden. And with that, there's like three minutes of silence. Yeah. Three minutes a long time. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this guy's in charge of my life right yeah. now. I don't think he liked that answer. So then he says, well, what if it was somebody else and Joe Biden? I said, well, I'd probably be with Joe Biden. He didn't like that answer. <laughs> so I finally said to him, I said, well, you don't like that answer, did you? He goes, you're a Biden lover. <laughs> and I said, actually, I don't, I just want to get home. But uh, <laughs> I, I get halfway through, I'm like, I'm, I'm in trouble, physically in trouble, because this guy's not liking my answers. And um, based on his car, I don't know why he was voting for the Republicans, but whatever. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I, I tend to not engage in political dialogue when, when I'm out, especially with strangers when you don't know uh, what they're talking about or what their thought process is. And so, uh-huh. you know, I would have answered that question uh, probably like I would have said if he said, who are you voting for, you know, Trump or Biden? I said, you know, I don't even think I'm going to vote. There you go. You know. Uh, and and then you just kind of let it then, go, and, and then you hear what he has to say. And I always, I I, I uh, try to avoid conflict. Yeah, it's well, just, it's how I, I love it. It's how I roll. And would, I'm in a I'm in a profession that's hard to do, but I yeah. try to avoid conflict. And so, I always look uh, in a conversation for something I can affirm that the other person's saying. Uh-huh. Something, some part of what they're saying. It, there's got to be something in there I can agree with. In well, that's a good thought process. So now, I usually I, avoid I politics as well unless I'm out in public with you. Then people come up and yeah. sell me, you know, this, that, or the other. Well, if they know us, they kind of get, yeah. you know, they kind of get And most it, people but. think, you know, we're together 24-7. Like, <laughs> I mean, they, they, we rarely uh, are apart. <laughs> So, uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You like I can't, to. I can't claim you on my taxes. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you what I realized this morning. What's that? And, and this was, I guess, I guess we all get to this place at some point. But I realized this morning that it's not a question of if, it's a question of when I'm going to fall in the shower. Oh, yeah. And uh, so. Do you have a shower or do you have a tub that you get inside of? It's a shower. Of? Okay, very and, good. Uh, and, well, there's lots of opportunity to. To bang your head on things in there, uh-huh. and uh, and I I did a little uh, did a little tap dancing in there this morning, and I just realized that someday I'm going to fall 
in that shower and do grievous damage to myself. So uh, yeah. it's just, uh, there you have it. I, I made the decision to get rid of, uh, when I first moved into my place, it didn't have like a, it had a shower, but it was a shower inside of a tub. Yeah. Do you understand what oh, I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, a porcelain a tub. tub. Right. Right. And those are slick. Yeah, yeah. You know, and people say, oh, well, go get the mat and stuff. And I, I made an investment in some money that I didn't have to get that sucker ripped out because every time I was getting in that tub, I thought, I'm going to fall and, yeah. and, and split my head open. Right. And what am I going to do? You know, I'm by myself. At Plus least somebody gotta, would have to a, check on you, you after gotta, a while. If you got a tub, then you got to step over that thing. That's what happened to me the other day. I was I was in at the Lake of the Ozarks for a meeting. Oh, okay. Did I tell you about this? No. So uh, our, our mutual friend, Ed. He, okay, he, yeah. He, so he says, you know, we're going to meet before the meeting uh, at this uh, the place next door. Uh-huh. So I pull into the parking lot where the meeting's going to be, and the place next door is the place next door. Right. So I'm walking, I'm looking, and it's right off the highway. So then there's no sidewalk, and uh-huh. I don't want to walk on the road, you know, because cars are going pretty fast. So the only way up to this place without going on the road was the, about a four-foot little rock wall. Oh, this ought to be good. And uh, so uh, I I got long legs, you know. Uh-huh. And Clearly. I'm relatively in good shape for the shape I'm in. Uh-huh. And, and so uh, <laughs> I hop up, I hop up on the rock wall, and I walk into the place where we're supposed to meet, and there's nobody there. So I call Ed and I said, uh, "I'm here. Where are you?" He said, "Oh, we're not at that place. We're we're at the place." She said, "You, the have, other to, side. you have to drive to it." And so I said, "Okay." Well, you but you survived, huh? So now I've got to go down the rock wall. Eee. So and it's it's maybe four feet high. Okay. But from my eyeballs to the ground is actually ten feet. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't take that into account. Uh huh. You know? So I thought, okay, I don't want to get on my hands and knees and kind of crawl over like 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 Tula, my granddaughter coming off the chair. Right. Uh, so I, I thought, you know, I can I can jump off of this thing. It's a piece of cake, right? So, but there was a lady parking her car, and I thought I'm going to wait until she leaves just in case this doesn't go well. She doesn't film me doing uh-huh. that. Yeah. And so, uh, so she goes inside. Coast is clear. There's nobody around. So I jump off of the wall. Did you fall? Well, yes. So there's leaves on the ground, and I got dress <laughs> shoes on. How stupid can you be? And, and so, yeah. I, You're my, lucky you didn't my, hurt yourself. My, I did hurt myself. My left foot hits the leaf, and I'm sliding, and my right ankle twists. And I then down goes Hancock. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, Any I, bruises? I, lived t- I got a sprained ankle, man. Yeah? Uh, yeah. It's going to negatively impact my snooker playing this afternoon. Yeah. I hurt myself sleeping the other day. That does happen. Have you done that? Probably. Yeah. All of a sudden, I rolled over, and I felt something pop, and I'm telling you, it's been a month or so now, and my whole left arm from sleeping, of all things, I've hurt myself. Now, first, I had to come to the realization that I'm older than most of the athletes I'm watching. Now, I'm coming to the realization that I'm older than their coaches. And now I'm that person who's getting hurt while I'm sleeping. Well, you will never be older than me. That's one thing we know for sure. News, talk, sports. The voice of St. Louis, KMOX. We are back. Uh, The Hancock and Kelly Show. We'll stick around till 11 o'clock. You can hear us uh, on Sunday mornings. See us on Sunday mornings on Fox 2 here in St. Louis for Hancock and Kelly the television show, and every Friday morning I watch you labor over your phone as you play some game through Major League Baseball. What's it called? The Immaculate Grid. Are buddy. you any good at it? <clears throat> you know, Michael, I... You don't like to talk? I don't like to talk. Yeah, clearly. Uh, but my knowledge of baseball is somewhat uh, 
awe-inspiring. Yeah. <clears throat> and but who do you? I mean, who do you play this with? Is it your son? My son, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, Junior. And he who's and better, I, you or him? Well, I've got more knowledge, but he's he's remarkably good for a young man of his age uh, at baseball knowledge. Well, that's uh, impressive stuff. Uh, now I know what you uh, spend all your time on. Yeah. Hey, John, uh, been in a crazy week in politics. Uh, we have the president of Ukraine visited the United States again, making a push yet again for more money from the United States to Israel. Uh, I mean, not to Israel, the I apologize, Ukraine. to the Ukraine. Um, Vladimir Zelensky uh, was pleading with uh, senators to please continue to fund. Uh, it's Republicans who seem to be in opposition. It's related to the border um, is what they're wanting to hold up on. But is it really just the border, or is it this idea that uh, well, Vladimir you, you, Putin ought to be able to take Ukraine? A couple of things going on. There's a, there's a minority at this point of elected Republicans who are uh, less than all in uh, in supporting Ukraine, and there are various degrees of, of concern there. There are some that will continue funding. Uh, they say that the funding can't be, you know, in perpetuity. And they think that there are some that believe that there needs to be more U.S. oversight of how the money is spent in Ukraine, expressing concerns about uh, fraud and corruption. I have no way of knowing. Uh, and then and then there are some that, yeah, they just don't think that we should be involved internationally to the degree that we have been since World War II. And uh, so you have varying degrees of that. That being said, the majority of Republicans, near, nearly uh, the, all of the Democrats, do support financing Ukraine's defense of its country. And, uh, and I think, you know, my personal opinion is it's, it's a prudent expenditure of funds. You, you've already, Vladimir Putin's aggression into Ukraine has cost them dearly. He's lost... 300,000 of his troops so far. Is that right? Massive amounts of uh, materiel uh, and his equipment uh, in the Russian military. The Russian military has been exposed as being not nearly as sophisticated as many many of us thought and feared. And so, uh, and I think properly um, armed Ukraine, because they are the invaded country, their incentive to drive out the invaders is great. Uh, the, there's really not can't be much passion for the Russian troops that are you know, following orders. So you know, I think the the chances of Ukraine extricating the the Russians from their soil is good as long as is they're funded. And I think the I think Congress well is they're meeting, and I think they're going to put something together. And the border is important. Mind-numbing statistic: three hundred thousand Russians have lost their Casualties. lives. You would believe that. Uh, the people inside of Russia would be revolting. 300,000 people. It's, Goodness it's, gracious. Yeah, yeah. Well, injured or dead. Yeah, I that's mean, World War II numbers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So w- w- one of the predicates that the Republicans are saying is, hey, we want some border security change in language. My entire life we've been having this debate about the border. Is it open? Is it porous? How do we let people in? You know, shall we change the asylum laws? It actually feels as though there might be an opportunity to get something done. Chuck Schumer is spearheading this effort. Uh, in a way to get Ukrainian border, uh, Ukrainian funding, trying to find some type of compromise with the border. Do you have hope? Do you believe this can happen? Man, I hope so. Uh, and it's, you know, the Biden administration's offering more border agents. Um, and that's not a sufficient condition. I mean, 
if, if people are going to continue to flood into the country, you, you've got to stem that flow. And just adding more agents isn't going to do that. And so it, th- there has to be policy changes in what we're doing. Because what we're doing now is, A, it's not working, and B, it's inviting more of it. And, and that's just not a sustainable situation for the United States. I heard the uh, CBS News uh, person on this morning saying that um, one, one of the biggest issues is likely going to have to be changes in the asylum laws. Yeah, no question. Um, let's talk that through. We changed the asylum process when Donald Trump was president. Well, then when we reverted back after COVID yeah. to uh, what we deal with now, which is people come to the United States to seek asylum and prior to that, we had them staying in Mexico That's to right. seek asylum. Yeah. And, and you know, the Donald Trump era uh, border security was better, far better than what we've got now. Uh, that is, at least in my opinion, an inarguable fact. You know, I'd be for the, 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 the problem with the stay in Mexico policy is that not all of these folks crashing the border are from Mexico. They're from all over Central and South America, and increasingly throughout the world. You've got a number of folks from Asia and the Middle East coming in through our border. And uh, it would seem to me that the best way to handle this uh, asylum process is that if you are seeking asylum, that means you're going to have a court hearing at some point in the United States. Right now, those hearings are being scheduled years later. And so if you show up at the border, you get a court date for 2025 or 2026, and more often than not, they just let you stay. And so what what I think we should do is if you're going to seek asylum, whatever country you're in, you go to the United States embassy or consulate, and you apply for asylum there. And then on our end, we need to somehow figure out a way to get this court process expedited may mean having more judges, fine. Let's do that, and let's handle these asylum cases because there are people that have legitimate need to get out of a dangerous situation. And we, you know, historically have accommodated that and should, in my opinion. But there's, but when you incent people to just show up at your back door and then you let them in, you're encouraging all any manner of folks to come, well, and, and that is fundamentally the, the problem that we're dealing with right now. Well, but border. fortunately, we have that wall that Mexico built and paid for. <laughs> uh, oh, never mind. That didn't happen. Hey, uh, switching it up to the other international situation going on, of course, uh, we're, what, two months in after this a terrorist attack yeah. by Hamas on Israel. Um, we've seen the, re- the retribution that has begun by Israel on the Gaza Strip. Um, pressure had mounted early on my side of the aisle, John, people saying, hey, Israel needs to tone it down, tone it down. Joe Biden been one of the strongest allies of Israel, standing firm, saying, hey, they have a right to defend themselves and move forward. We've started to see a shift. Joe Biden has said earlier this week, hey, it's time for Israel to be more conscious of the civilians who are dying in the midst of this crisis that's taking place in Hamas. Um, Is Joe Biden's support eroding, or is this just humanitarian uh, uh, goodwill oh, coming think, from the I president of the I United think it's States? Nothing but politics. Uh, he's he's taken a beating internally uh, with his left flank. He used a term the other day that was very significant. He said they Israel needs to stop the indiscriminate bombing. 
indicating that they're just throwing bombs up there and then wherever they fall, they fall. You know, that's what indiscriminate bombing well, and, and, is. That's but, what Hamas does. But Gaza's not that big of a place, and they're much bigger than the city of St. Louis. Right. And, and so, you know, I can assure you that the finely trained Israeli defense force are not conducting indiscriminate bombings. They, they're bombing places that they know or believe that Hamas terrorists or Hamas materiel is residing. And so some civilians are dying. Now, Israel has asked the civilians, to told them, recommended to them, drop leaflets telling them to leave uh, because, you know, war is coming. Hamas is responsible in many cases for keeping those civilians tied up because Hamas believes that somehow that will protect them. Uh, and Israel's serious about prosecuting this war. They are serious about eliminating Hamas's ability to attack Israel and destroy Israel, and um, in that process, but so the but the politics that Joe Biden is dealing with uh, are that his party is divided, and heck, there's a whole lot of people on the left that actually are supporting Hamas out there, which I don't get, but it's out mm. there. It's as mind blowing as people supporting the Russians. It just makes <laughs> right. no sense yeah. what's going yeah, on. That's, that's touche in in politics. Touche. Uh, but but I do think the rhetoric that President Biden has employed is largely driven by politics. Is Israel uh, in trouble on a world stage if the leader of the free world continues this talk, continues this type of rhetoric? Does their uh, world cover uh, start to erode? We've seen uh, folks uh, being pushing back throughout the world saying, hey, wait a minute. We've got to lighten up on our uh, what's happening in Israel. Well, Do they potentially lose the support of the whole world if well, the, they start the to UN, lose the president? The UN just passed a ceasefire resolution. I mean, the world, the rest of the world has never been kind to the Jewish people, and uh, there's plenty of history out there for folks to choose to learn it. Uh, the one thing Israel has had um, throughout its seventy-plus year history is the firm, full, and faithful support of the United States of America. And I believe that that's a fundamental, fundamentally important foreign policy for us. Israel is our strong ally in the Middle East. They are the only democracy in the Middle East. And, you know, they are important to us, and we are important to them. And uh, so I hope the president... And, and I get his politics don't look good right now in the middle of this thing, but the president here needs to stand firm and, and behind Israel because you're right. The rest of the world is probably not going to be there. We are a little over a month away from voting uh, beginning up in uh, Iowa. And then, of course, it slides on to New Hampshire and South Carolina. For over a year, you and I have been chatting in this particular time slot about could there be a change in on the Democratic side? Is Joe Biden going to be the nominee? Is Donald Trump going to be the Republican nominee? Will he be in jail? We're a month away from voting, and John, it was all out of hand-wringing for not. It looks like it's going to be Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Doesn't look like anything's going to change it. Well, it's certainly going to be Donald Trump. I continue to think the Democrats are going to make a change, and, um, and they're going to do it. Iowa and New Hampshire matter not for the Democratic nomination. Mm -hmm. South Carolina is where it really begins. And that's in what March. Yep. So, I think sometime after the first of the year, uh, the Democrats are going to make a change, and 
We, you know, I've been predicting this. I could be wrong. You, you've often been there. Hey, uh, what about uh, what about on the Republican side? Who are we going to start to see fade away? Looks like Chris Christie's going to stick around, even if he doesn't have money. Will some of the others drop out? I mean, the shelf life of DeSantis has got to be coming to an end. And um, you know, Ramaswamy, whatever. If Nikki Haley is shut out in the first three, she's done. So there you have it. Buddy, that's it. We've got to step aside. We've got news at the top of the hour. Then we'll come back, and it's Hancock and Kelly taking you all the way up to the Chris and Amy show right here on KMOX. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Did you cut yourself? You know, I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, as Uh you may know, but I am aware of a massive conspiracy that's being it's being foisted upon the male of the species out there. Oof. And it is a conspiracy conspired by the shaving industry. Okay. They come out with these razors, Michael. Mocks. Sensors, mocks. They've got thousands <laughs> of them. And 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 they they've all got their own unique razor blade connection. Yep. And you go, you buy the razor. You invest in that, and, you know, they're not cheap, these razors. And, you know, in theory, your blades will be available out there because now the blades don't last as long as they used to. I don't know if you noticed that. No. Now they, they've got, you know, I've got a razor that I have really liked. I've come to really value and enjoy this razor. Okay. I shave in the shower so I don't have a mirror when Get-o. I'm shaving. Get-o. And, uh... And my little five blades on this thing. Totally. Lovely. I got the same. Yeah. and it and so you, Does it vibrate? It, Mine vibrates. No, it didn't vibrate. Oh, okay. But it did. Swivels. You swivels. Know? It's got yeah. the little swivel sure. going Okay. On. I never cut myself with this thing. I love the thing. Uh-huh. Nowhere can I find razor blades that fit this thing. I really? go, I buy razor blades. I bring them home. They don't fit. I take them back. I'm sorry the package is open. How am I supposed to find out if it fits the razor <laughs> if I don't open the package? Have you thought so, about taking the actual razor with you I, to I, the Walgreens? Yes. Yeah, okay. And my blades don't exist. Well, what, it, when did you buy this it, razor? Three years ago. Oh, well. It, it, you can't find the blade. It, yeah. And so it's a... Con- and the razors aren't cheap. No. And $25 blades, for four or five of them, right? Yes, the blades. Yeah. If you can find them. Right. Heck, I'd pay $100 if I could find <laughs> the darn thing. So I, it, it got to a point where I was so frustrated, so... Enraged, if you want to know the truth. Uh-huh. I went to probably my fifth attempt to go find blades. I'm going all over St. Louis to find these blades. Okay. I mean, I've there's not a there's not a store I've been in that has these, these blades. These blades, right. <clears throat> so I finally broke down and I bought these disposable razors. All right. right? You know? Just like I, a one blader? No, no, it's got three blades on it. It's, yeah. But it, I mean But it, it's plastic and you're gonna it, when you get done, you toss it in the trash. Yes. Okay. And and so when I use it a few times, well, I am now cutting my face. I mean, it looks like Hannibal Lecter has gotten to <laughs> and, and I and, and these disposable razors are the worst, man. Yeah. And I don't I, it's a it's a conspiracy. Totally. They're they're it's they're, they're they're going to they're going to force me to go buy another razor that where I can find blades that fit the razor. Is there a place, four, three, six, seven, nine hundred? Is there a place to go find 
that's got a fully stuck. There used to be that thing in Clayton called World News. Uh huh. You could find every newspaper ever published. Right, right. They were all. Could there right be there. a razor place? Is there a razor place no. where you could go find where they've got blades for everybody? So I think about razors a lot because I too use them in the shower. I don't do mine. Well, uh, I shave every. You don't shave every day. I shave no. every single. day. I don't day. shave every day, but I do it in the shower. Yeah. I can see in the mirror, and you know I, I have found that the life. And I don't have a hard beard. It doesn't I don't grow a lot of hair. I have found the life of my razors is is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, they're making the next them, thing you know, I'm slicing myself up, and I'm yeah. like, I just put this new one on Monday. Uh, it's it's yeah. ridiculous. I, I used to be able to use a blade for like a month. Uh huh. You know, and and when you do that, I think people are calling in to help out here, Mike. Well, uh, maybe James they know O'Sullivan where you is get fielding the... phone calls as we speak. Keith, Keith, you're on KMOX. Please help, sir. Please, please help. I tell you what, you need to look up that Harry's razor system. You can't beat that razor. They okay. send it to you yeah. every three months and yeah. all that stuff, and I have yet to cut myself. I've been using them for years. How often do you have to change the blade on uh, Harry? Um, I believe it's a five-blader, and it's uh, basically, I say I about every two months I change it. I two months? Wow. Two months. Every three months, it's like nine, nine, or, nine or ten bucks. That's it. Wow. Thanks Jeez. for the call. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, going, I'm looking at, I'm, I may start doing advertising for you. Do we have another caller? Oh, all right. So that's Harry's. It, what's interesting to me about razor blades Harry's. and, like, whoever came up with the idea of shaving, like, yeah. uh, the, the whole concept of sitting down in a barber's chair with a, with a person straight with razor. a straight razor yeah, yeah. right against your neck. You know, pulling. Have you ever gotten a, a real straight razor shave? I have not. Like they used to do on the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, down at Floyd's it would afraid me. It would. It would. I would be afraid of it. I'd be afraid somebody sliced my neck or something. Well, if they're, only if they're having a bad day or they listen to you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I would. I've been told that the there's nothing quite like it. You got the warm towel there. Yeah. Uh, and the, the straight edge of the of the mm. blade going and, and shaving. You won't. You won't have a closer. Smoother shave experience, yeah. I've been told. I've not had it done. I haven't either. I'm afraid to do it. And I just don't like the concept of some random stranger who, and again, I had a random stranger driving me the other night. Well, yeah. That, that didn't go well. Well, so, but you're, you're, you're barber person or your hair person, you get to know them over yeah. the time. And if you're Eric Greitens, you end up, yeah, well, but, <laughs> but, you, but, you, but you get to know them is what I'm trying to say here. You get to know them, uh, which is very important. And so, you know, once you've got that relationship formed, you thought that was funny. Do you, do you use do you use uh, regular shaving cream or gel? I can go either way. I'm a gel uh, guy. I'm, a, I'm a more gel than than not. Uh-huh. Uh, and and the thing about the gel, uh-huh. I feel like the foam. You kind of have a sense that you know it's about to die. Right. With the with the gel, it's... you're squirting away, and you get in the shower the next day. There's nothing there. Yeah. And you know, and by this time you're already all well, wet, and, and so uh, yeah. Then you got to hop out, and you're chilly, and you're like looking for yeah. the you know stuff in the so house, the, the and the floor is, gets wet. The gel will deceive you. Where I feel like the foam, yeah, you can kind of feel. Let me make a case for the gel, though. All right. The nice part about the gel is when you put it in there, it still foams up a little bit for you. Of course it does. But it also gives that slickness. Yeah, yeah. No, because I hear you. It, you know, otherwise you're in there with like like you've got a the bottle puffy, of the puffy cloud on your face. Yeah, you, like you've got the Cool Whip, you know, yeah. and. and in the shower with the thing, yeah. you're shaking it, and you're yeah. trying to get that last bit of uh, 
goodness to come out of the sucker, you know, and then uh, it's well, uh, a it's a terrible sound. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I I can go either way. But generally, here's the other thing. Okay. I mean, while I'm fully convinced there's a conspiracy out there, clearly. Have you ever not wasted? A big wad of the gel when you shave, no, I, I, because what I what I find you squirt it out there, and James can't relate to any of this because no. he's got a beard. Uh, I'm, you know what? I may just grow a beard. No, don't it do would that. solve this whole nah. problem. Uh-uh. I wonder it, if my beard would come in brown or gray. I think it'd be spotty. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You probably look like a serial killer. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, only, for, that, uh, only for a week or so. Yeah, until we figured it out. Yeah. Now listen, you, you, when you when you put that on, the key to it is you, you've got to take one pass on the face mm-hmm. once you have the gel on while you're holding your other hand with excess gel outside of the water. You do that first pass to get off the big stuff. Okay. Oh. Then you rinse your razor off. Then you put the remaining of gel, you so you're and a, now you get in there and you really you're go slow. The rinse repeat guy. Yes, I like to get it. Huh. I like more than one or two passes on I my face, never, and I have to pull down. I can't pull up. I'm too sensitive of a skin. Oh, are you a puller upper or I a puller can, I, down? I go both ways. Really, yeah, I can't go I, both I, ways. I, I go both ways, I'm but I only way do only. one pass. I'm mean, just a one. Well. Oh. I, I, I do shave over, I guess, again, but I don't reapply. The do you have a gel. little place that you typically miss almost every day that when you get out of the shower, you're like, there's that little spot again? Yeah, I, yep, I missed yep, it. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, right on my chin, right, yeah. right about there. I got uh, mine yeah. right below my yeah. nose on the right side. Oh, well, it doesn't matter how a, close I that's get. A tricky, that's a tricky uh, spot. Uh, to how in the world did we talking about this for 10 well, minutes? Because you're all nicked up. Hey, he's John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly. Did you know that there's 135 miles worth of greenways? that you can walk in the St. Louis area? I was clueless to this. We're going to find out all about it. Great Rivers Greenway in studio next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. All right, here we go. We are joined in studio by Emma Clues. She's the VP of Communications and Outreach for the Great Rivers Greenway. Emma, what is Great Rivers Greenway? Thank you for asking. We are a public agency. We're serving the St. Louis City, St. Louis County, and St. Charles County, the whole region, and we are building a connected network of paved pathways, greenways. How do you pay for them? We are created by a sales tax. So people voted to create this back in the year 2000, and then we try to leverage those local investments with public dollars, federal grants, and private dollars through our foundation. So it's 2023. That was 23 years ago. You have had hundreds of millions of dollars in that time period. What have you all done with it? We have created 135 miles of these paved pathways so far. We opened eight new ones this year and continuing to plan and engineer and design all of the future greenways as well. So the Grants, grants Trail, is that you all? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I think I'd heard about this. Uh, eventually, someday, you will be able to get on a pathway at the St. Louis Arch and go all the way to St. Louis County on a pathway, deal with minimal amounts of cars, et cetera, and just be able to ride your bike the whole way, huh? That's exactly right. People can walk, run, ride a bike, push a stroller, roll a wheelchair, get around. 
So uh, you were telling us before the before the uh, show here that uh, this was a historic year for Great Rivers Greenway. What what did you all accomplish in twenty three? It was a big year. So we had eight different Greenway openings, eight ribbon cuttings. Uh, normally, in a given year, there might be you know zero, one, or two, depending on which projects are coming online. And eight was quite a bit. So that's really exciting. We have progress in all three of those counties. What what do you think the timeline is to have this big interconnected thing from? St. Louis City down to St. Charles County and all these trails being connected. Honestly, it's a long-term vision. So yeah. it will be decades before perhaps that whole thing would be done. And part of that is also that we're always going back to the community and asking what people would like to see. So the vision does evolve as the community evolves. St. Charles County is quite a bit different than it was 20 years ago. And so we always continue to ask people, you know, where they want to connect and what they want to see. Any kind of idea, you must have an idea what the, what the traffic, what the volume, uh, the use of these uh, pathways are? Yes. I looked it up yesterday, actually. We're, for this year to date, we're at about 2.7 million visits. Wow. Um, so that's the trips counted. We have eco-counters out there that are kind of a sensor that people pass by. Um, so that's our best estimation. They're not on every single inch of the greenways, obviously, but that's our guess. That's impressive. So i uh, been to a couple of newer cities, Denver, Austin, places that are kind of growing up that have uh, a, a lot of these pathways. How do we stack up uh, in terms of other regions in terms of building these types of nature uh, walkways? That's a great question. Thank we you. and we do <laughs> and we do study a lot of our different peers. We're a part mm-hmm. of the Highline network as well. So I would say that overall our model is very unique to have three counties and 120 towns going in on the same thing. Pretty unique. That's not happening in a lot of different places. But the, um, you know, being able to have them everywhere you need, we still have some ways to go. So obviously we're not fully connected yet here in our region. Uh, other cities might have more of that connectivity because they've got, um, you know, maybe more of those destinations are closer together, those types of things. Just the geography is different. But we do have um, a very unique model that other cities do study. And as regions try to make themselves more attractive to young folks uh, to move there, This is one of the big discriminators that was realized almost two decades ago now that this is what young people and and new businesses looking for. Talk us through that. That's exactly right. So we have heard that both from, you know, research and studies, but as well as anecdotally. We've got, you know, companies that call us sometimes and are wanting to relocate to St. Louis and want to know how long it's going to be till that Greenway connects to that, you know, 39 North, for example. Or, you know, we have people telling us, listen, I'm not really into the outdoors and I don't really love to exercise. I don't really get out there, but my kid doesn't want to move away. So you have my vote. You know, They're interested for different reasons, but we do hear that quite a bit. Um, and that is why we continue to see that support for the Greenways. Yeah. Is there is there a, an economic uh, assessment of, of what these kinds of uh, amenities uh, pro- provide for the community? There is. So nationwide, you can see about a 5% increase in property values if you're within a half mile of a greenway. That's sort of a general standard. But then we've also done some economic impact studies here locally, um, working with Ernst & Young and Greater St. Louis, Inc. For the Brickline Greenway, which is a project in the city of St. Louis, the projected return on investment is about two to one. Um, in terms of, you know, putting the, in millions of dollars in to be able to build the infrastructure, but then the jobs that it creates, the economic activity. I mean, we can kind of look at the Katy Trail for some examples as well. So explain the Brickline uh, g- Greenway to us, because I, I, I have envisioned what I've seen in New York, which is like an elevated train walkway that mm-hmm. kind of goes through Manhattan. Is that what you're talking about? Some of it will look like that. Some of it will be on the ground. So the geogra- the sort of height might change. But yes, a very urban connector. So Brickline Greenway is a bold vision to create a connection between Forest Park and the Gateway Arch National Park, east-west, and then Fairground Park and Tower Grove Park, now 
north south. So there's, you know, and little connections in between, obviously. Uh, but this is part of it would be elevated. For instance, the old trestle over Vandeventer Avenue between kind of Ikea and City Foundry. That would be an elevated section. Others would be about sort of reimagining the streets that are somewhat overbuilt to have some room for biking so do and you, walking. So do you build these things like a wheel, like a, a, a circle, and then have spokes going, shooting out to other places? Is that kind of the how it's done? It kind of depends. In Forest Park, that is kind of the case, right? So we've got four different greenways, two of which are built, two of which are coming, that would come out of all edges of Forest Parks, north, south, east, west. Other times it might be more of something that goes along one of the rivers or creeks. Other times it might be more on the street grid. They really vary depending on the community. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, most people may not even realize they have one of these close to their house. So if you wanted to see where all these walkways are, do you have a place that I could go look and uh, learn all about them? Absolutely. GreatRiversGreenway.org. And there is a map that you can go through and check out. But there's also a sort of a quiz where you can say, you know, what are you looking for? Hot, uh, sunny or shady or hilly or flat or, you know, how, how many miles do you want? Do you want to be able to go fishing? Do you need a restroom? Like, what are those types of amenities? All right. So it's Emma Clue. She's the VP of Communications and Outreach at Great Rivers Greenway. The website where you can look at where these uh, greenways are, research them, pick your walkways is? GreatRiversGreenway.org. Good. And how many uh, do we have on tap to come next year? Will we build more next year? We do. We have the Chain Rocks Park opening by the Chain Rocks Bridge. Um, we've got some new construction on Maylene Greenway in North County, St. Vincent Greenway, and then we're also working on the Brickline Greenway on Market Street to Harristow State University. How about that? Progre- progress happening right before our eyes was passed in 2020, John Hancock. You and I, I don't. I didn't work on that campaign, did you? I did not. No. It was 2000, the year 2000. Oh, and, and 2000. Yeah. So it's been 23 years they've been able to pull this off. That's impressive. Uh, you'll be able to take your bicycle out there and go do your riding. Well, I will, and uh, <clears throat> I uh, don't have a bicycle. This you don't? Is, uh, I don't. How do you not take have a, a bike? Walk. Take a walk. What do you mean, how do you not? When was the last time you rode a bike? <laughs> uh, the 20th century. Really? Yeah. It's been over 23 years since you've ridden a bike? Oh, it's probably been Are you afraid you'd hurt yourself? Oh, I'm sure I would. I think you guys got to get out on a tandem. I mean, I think that's what I'm hearing. A you guys get a tandem I bicycle. I had a, a bicycle <laughs> built for two. We had one yes. of those when I was a kid. Hey. Could you imagine him being in charge of a bicycle? Oh, no, I was I'm always on? on the back. Yeah, well, uh, that'd yeah. Be where you'd be here, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've seen you drive. And you, with directions, hey, Hancock, make a left. And he'd just, you know, go the wrong way. I or... got lost the other day. It's neither here nor there. Emma, thank you so much for your time. Uh, good luck with your future projects there at greatriversgreenway.org. That's where you can learn everything you need to know about that. All right. We're going to step aside for a couple of minutes. We're going to – we get check on the news here at the bottom of the hour? We do. Let's get a check on the news, and then we're going to reload, and Sean Cannon's going to be in – I am so excited about Sean Cannon coming in. If you're a music fan, I don't care what kind of music. Maybe you like the Grateful Dead. Maybe you like Billy Joel. Maybe you like the Beatles. Maybe you do. Sean Cannon plays it all, and we're going to talk How to him. How does he do that? We're going to talk we're about it. find out. After this on KMOX. Hey, guys. It's Dave, Rach, and Wheels from The Glover Show wishing you a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's go. Happy holidays from KMO. Here. Hey, how are you? It's I'm Sean good. Cannon with Hi the guys. Sean Cannon Voodoo Players. It's the Hancock and Kelly show. I fell in love with Sean Cannon 
Oh, about two years ago, I got invited to go to a Grateful Dead, what I thought was just going to be a cover band. Yeah. And I went down there. Because you're a deadhead. Yeah. I mean, you, you travel a, all over to watch right, whatever to the, iteration been, of them. Right. And then all of a sudden, people started telling me, you've got to go see Sean Cannon. He does really cool stuff. It's not only the dead. He'll do Billy Joel. I'm like, wait a minute. The Grateful Dead and <laughs> Billy Joel? Well, not on the same night. But so, <laughs> yeah, so what's the story, man? You yeah. how'd you get into to doing music? Tell us a little bit about the Sean Cannon and the Voodoo Players. You know, it was to be honest, it was kind of a survival, uh, uh, just you know, a means of survival. Like I got to the point where I'm like, you know, m- maybe if we really branch out and start playing more catalogs, you know, the more songs, the the farther, the farther, a bigger, wider of a net we can cast. Yeah. And the more people we can get on board, rather than just aiming at one demographic, you know and, what I'm saying? And, and so on a weekly basis, you will do a performance, yes. a two-set performance where it's specific to an artist, a group, or a theme. Exactly. So instead, I mean, there are concerts when we play, say we'll play a, you know, a street fest in Kirkwood or something where we'll, we'll play a blend of music. But for the most part, our weekly show at the Broadway Oyster Bar on Wednesdays, we aim at one artist and we go way in. I mean, we, you know, I take the musicians and the audience down the rabbit hole for three hours, you know, and we really get inside the the music that we're that we're learning and performing, and we try to really uh, bring the music to life. Yeah, and you'll put together a set list. So if, you, if for instance, I went and saw the Dave Matthews Band, saying if you're a Dave fan, there's certain songs yeah, you yeah. want to hear. He hit all of them in two sets, but it wasn't you only singing, Sean. Yeah. You go and pull together other musicians. Exactly. Um, I always joke that if I'm the third best singer on stage, we're going to do some good singing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I like, I, I really thrive on surrounding, uh, you know, myself within the band with uh, with talent, you know. And, uh, Whose idea was this? Um, you know, we started it so ten years ago, uh, 2014, I guess, uh, in January. We started it as just like a, a weekly jam session, and quickly, with after a couple weeks, I realized, you know, if we aim at one band, you know, say we do a night of Fish or a night of the Beatles, more people are going to come out, and we're going to make more money. And so when you get down to it, you know, it's all the money always talks, and so we're like. You know, the the concept kind of came together, the voodoo players, um, like as a collective group of musicians, you know, it, it, where it's not just me, the voodoo players. I mean, there's probably been 100 voodoo players wow. in 10 years. That, that makes sense because um, if you're going to replicate a, a group, you need to have the instrumentation and mm-hmm. everything else. Right. And then, and then also just lining up the musicians to play the music that they love and that they're really into. I mean, there are some times where I'm like, man, you're such a talented guitar player it seems like you would really benefit from learning some grateful dead you know and i'll drag people in (laughs) uh, you know but you most of the time it's like what's what's the music you've always wanted to play that you love you never get to play and you know tom petty like all right here we go let's do it you know kai katzman is your uh, business partner you're the manager you have to wrangle these folks together it, How much preparation goes into a week? So if you're going to wind up playing uh, Van Morrison, for instance, you got to freshen up on those songs. You maybe got to find a couple of singers to join you. How long does that take? Uh, it, it takes months. We've got to first uh, get a roster, and then uh, Sean will pick a set list. Everyone's got to rehearse a lot on their own, and then they'll have a rehearsal as a group sometimes. And uh, the marketing aspect of it as well. You've yeah. got to 
get Facebook, Instagram. We've got a website. You've got to tell people about the shows. Make sure, you know, it's it's a Wednesday night at 930, so not everyone can come out. But but, we, but there's something for everyone, right? Like uh, people can go to your website. Give your website and tell them because people, you, the, the Beatles are coming up. Uh, yeah, you've yeah. got so many great things. we got tell Led Zeppelin you. next week, oh, Tom wow. Petty Wednesday. the week after that. Um, so you can go to Sean Cannon's Voodoo Players at C A N A N Voodoo Players. That's Sean with a S E A N. Yeah, yes. you got it. Yeah, lot, uh, I've always had to spell both names for folks, but uh, yeah, Sean Cannon's Voodoo Players dot com. We got all the shows listed on there. Of course, we're all over to social media. And then one thing that we do is we live stream all the shows. Wow. So um, it really, if, if you can't make it, you can put it up on your television at home. Uh, and and watch the show, you know, from the comfort comforts of your own home, or you could put it on wherever you are. So we we like to really uh, we're really working on taking the music out there to the people. What I think is so cool about this is because if you're a fan of a group, and I you know I have the bands that I really like, mm-hmm. it's not just the hits that you know. It's, yes, it's you're on the, you're on the B side. We of do the, a deep dive. Yeah, and. And and some of the pieces you love the most of the bands you follow are the ones that weren't hits. Yeah, and you do those in we, live. We often joke that we're with a lot of the songs we play. We're the only band on the planet playing those some Ex- certain except songs. Except the live. original musicians. Themselves. I mean, and a lot of times the original musicians aren't even playing anymore. those songs yeah. anymore. Yeah. So like you really are hearing like you know you'll come out and hear us do our Van Morrison show and we do the the Moondance album from front to back and it's like wow. there's probably not a lot of people right. doing this music you but, know so what do you got coming up I, we're we're at the end of the year a lot of local bands and Sean Cannon's not uh, unique when it comes to that you do something special at the end of the year what do you got coming up yeah so we always end the year with a bang on the Wednesday nights the last couple weeks we always do Led Zeppelin right before Christmas it have been doing that for years. I don't know what it is about Zeppelin and Christmas, but it kind of goes hand in hand in right. my mind. Um, and then uh, Tom Petty, uh, the Wednesday after. That's cool. And then, uh, and then New Year's Eve, we're doing Grateful Dead at Off Broadway. Awesome. So, um, those are those are sort of the last and, three. And you've got a real special Talking Heads show coming up. And uh, Talking Heads are a, a unique band. Yes. Uh, with a special taste out there. But Talking Heads fans are huge. Talk us through what you're going to be doing. Oh, my gosh. So we are so excited. We're finally uh, going to do a headline show at the pageant oh, nice. on Saturday, January 6th. And uh, it's our very first time there. And we are going to do our best to kind of recreate the spirit of Stop Making Sense, which is their famous concert movie where they uh, sort of start with a bare stage. Like, literally, you're going to see the back of the pageant stage behind the curtain, that you never, stuff you never get to see in there. Um, and we're going to slowly drag out all the musicians' instruments and everything as the show progresses. That's so we're going to cool. recreate that original vibe from uh, Stop Making Sense. So that's Saturday, January 6th. How th- many in that band? I think there's eight of us. Wow. Wow. Um, so tickets are on sale for that. Uh we're really excited. Yeah, first show at the pageant. Kai and Kai and I have been working really hard to try to get the word out, and um, we're here today with you boys. So, who yeah. what, who's the hardest group to put it together? Because you've got to get a bunch of different players mm. and some unique music. Uh, obviously, the Grateful Dead seems to be in your wheelhouse, yeah, right? And so. there's a lot of incredible musicians in that in the Grateful Dead scene here in St. Louis. So uh-huh. there's always a there's a a big batch of guys that I can plug in, so it's a, the dead's usually pretty easy to roster up. Now some of the shows where you know with the bigger bands like uh, our Prince our Prince show or the Blues Brothers, 
Um, it takes a lot more. There's there's like the guys from the Mighty Pines and the guys from Funky Butt Brass bands. We have to check their calendars. And it, it ends up being a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of calendars to align sometimes. Prince. And it could be stressful. Could you imagine a yeah. two sets of prints? I mean, you're yeah. going to get to some deep songs <laughs> oh, there. Yeah. yeah. You know it. Kai, have you been on this train since the beginning? Or? Uh, nine years. Not, oh, yeah. so, nine of the ten. <laughs> yeah. So I got to miss out on the did first you, rough did year. Did you guys know each other before? Uh, Way back. Yeah. Uh, we go back a few years before that for sure. The so. dead scene. Yeah, local. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, yeah, just a lot of fun. Yes. But a lot of work, too. Give us a website again, Kai, where we can go and check it out. Sean Cannon's Voodoo Players. Uh, you can also look for us on Facebook. We've got an archive. So we stream all the shows, and you can check out past shows. So, like, last week's show with Fish or, you know, go find a Van Morrison if you like Van Morrison, and you can watch our uh, two sets. Yeah, that. and, and that's a little secret. I mean, I, I want everybody to go and buy a ticket to go to the Broadway Oyster or go to one of these other places and see you, but... I uh, have been in my bed before on my iPad listening to you <laughs> yeah, late yeah, at night yeah. on a Wednesday yeah. when I got something to do in the morning. That's really cool that you guys put that out for free. That's yes. really cool. We do, and we're working on upgrading, constantly upgrading that uh, um, for people just to enjoy the band. And um, the word's gotten out about the live streams. Like we were, you know, for instance, I was running around with a couple guys that are uh, – uh, promoters in New Orleans, and they're like, "You're that Wednesday night stream guy." You know? Oh wow! So people are—it's getting out. That's the the stream cool. is getting us uh, a little bit more outside of the region. Uh, recognition. You know, I, when they when they do Van Morrison with just three musicians, they they call it minivan. Oh, Lord. Sorry, you guys oh had to put up with these jokes. So it's Sean Cannon, Voodoo Players. Gentlemen, you are one of the highlights of the St. Louis music scene. I'm grateful. By the way, how is the St. Louis music scene? Do we have a good scene in St. Louis? Oh, yeah. Good question. I would say um, trying to be unbiased here because I'm very uh, I'm very much uh, a St. Louis uh, you know, flag waver. I love, I love this town. But I'd say we're in the top 10 best music scenes in the country. Wow. And somewhere, somewhere in the in the in the seven to nine range, I would say. Uh, obviously, you got your New Orleans and your Austin and in Nashville and your, you know, Denver and you know, there's a, there's New York City. There's right. there's some ones that you would probably put above us. But to be honest, um, it's a great place uh, for musicians to live and thrive. There's there's good paying gigs here, and the cost of living is a little bit lower than some of those other places I mentioned. And uh, you can really get by as a musician, which is, I think, a big reason why we have so much talent here. Yeah, and Sean, I mean, obviously, I've learned about you. I'm following you on social media. Where's a good place for people to find out about local gigs? Where is it? The RFT website, or where? Where, where do you guys find out who's playing where, and, and go see them? Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of uh, social media is obviously a big answer there. Um, as you know, there's certain people on social media that do a daily post, like our friend Shane Presley will post, you know, all 50. He'll, he'll literally try to find every little bar room within 100 miles and list who's playing That's there every cool. day. That's yeah, cool. I'm going to follow like, him. Shane yeah, Presley? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's a good buddy. And he he there's people like that in the scene uh, that do a good job of informing uh, everybody up about what, what, you know, what's going on. But you guys can always look us up. I mean, we are always out there. A lot of people. Give that website one more time. Sean Cannon's VoodooPlayers.com. S-E-A-N-C-A-N-A-N, VoodooPlayers.com. If you misspell it in Google, it'll, it'll drag yeah. There's yeah. something for everything with Sean Cannon. Guys, 
Good luck to you. Yes. Keep up the great work. Great. I will Thank see you at the Talking Heads. Really nice Absolutely. to see you guys. Thanks for having Hancock us. Hancock and Kelly continue to roll on after this on KMOX. Connect with KMOX on air, online. 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX.com. Well, it was earlier in the week that the St. Louis Blues fired Craig Berube, the head coach of the St. Louis Blues, the chief. He took us to the Stanley Cup, won the Stanley Cup. John, I don't follow the Blues as closely as you do, but... I kind of feel like he got scapegoated here. I don't think this was a Craig Berube problem. Well, it, it, yeah, there was a, a lot going on. Um, Craig Berube built this team, and last year I felt like he kind of tried to let the players define themselves. It didn't go well. He's got a system that he plays, uh, and he's not rigid. They, he came in and fundamentally changed the defensive the, the way the Blues play defense this year, going from a man-to-man system to more of a zone coverage in the defensive zone. Uh, the, the one and only thing Craig Berube ever demands of his players is that they play hard all the time, on the puck, winning the scrums. And, and one of the young stars of the Blues, Jordan Cairo, 25 years old last year, he signed an eight-year $64 million contract. Ooh, that's not a bad day. That's a that's big money in hockey. And uh guy's got a ton of talent, a ton of talent. Uh, but he doesn't always apply himself on the ice. Hustle. Uh, right. And he's, uh, you know, he and, and Barubi had been, you know, on him to improve his game, to be a two-way player, go back and play hard in the defensive zone. You'll get your offensive chances. And... It, you'd see flashes of it out of Cairo, but you would never see it on a consistent basis. And uh, and Cairo's performance has to be one of the main reasons that Craig Berube was relieved of his duties coaching this team. And a lot of these players love Craig Berube. Well, and last night, uh, if it was any example, the, the fans loved Craig Berube as well because Jordan Cairo heard it from the fans, didn't he? Yeah, constantly, repeatedly booed. He was in the starting lineup. He got booed then. And I think it surprised him. But earlier in the day, he was asked about Barubi, and he said, uh, I have no comment. He's not my coach anymore. Wow. That's what he said. That's not good. That didn't go over. And, you know, St. Louis fans, they're not – you don't see a lot of booing right. out of St. Louis crowds. Ever. Um, certainly you don't see it much at Bush Stadium. We did hear some boos this last year in the season where we lost 90 games. But it's it's rare that you see it at Enterprise Center with the, with the Blues – Kyrie tried to clean it up after the game. He said that, you know, Barubi was a good coach and he wished him well and blah, blah, blah. But I will tell you, around the league, Jordan Kyrie is considered a coach killer. And that's a, that is not. That's not a good reputation. It's not a good reputation. So it's early, though. I mean, heck, we haven't even gotten through Christmas yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they play a lot of games here. If you remember the Stanley Cup year, we were out of it. And, you know, at Christmas time. At Christmas time, we were out of it. Yes. Is there still time for this team to put it together? Or, John, is it we don't really have well, a superstar? Are we lacking time, yeah. the elements to be able to take us on a run? So time, there's plenty of time. But we don't have a team that's going to, that's a Stanley Cup. They, they could make the playoffs, finish, you know, at best third in their division. Uh, but we just there's just not enough talent on this team to to go deep into the Stanley Cup run. And in, heck, they may not make the playoffs. So, uh, it, it, you know, the the defense is not deep enough. Uh, Bennington can't do it by himself, huh? No, and. Uh, 
you know, goal goaltending in this league is is tough. And if you if your defense, the defense and the goaltending go hand in glove. And if the defense is lacking, the goaltender is going to have poorer numbers because of it. And uh, and we're seeing that. You know, the Blues have been giving up a lot of goals of late. Uh, they did win last night, uh, which was encouraging. But there's just not enough talent on this team, and there's no cap space. So the ho- hockey's got a salary cap. So you couldn't go out and add some top-level talent to this team because you can't legally pay them. Doug Armstrong is the uh, president of the St. Louis Blues over there. He handles all the uh, – he fired Berube, and uh, he's hired the team. His crosstown counterpart is John Mosellock. He took a lot of criticism over the last year, but guess what, man? The hot stove has been hot. What's your assessment of what the Cardinals have done to this point? Well, they've, they've added to their pitching in need, which uh, is important. I think some folks were hoping they'd get uh, a number one really high-end starter. It looks like Yoshi Yamamoto is going to end up going to the Dodgers. And the Dodgers, man. Can you? I mean, well, they are assembling just a superstar team over there. Uh, adding Shohei Otani, it looks like they're, they're getting Tyler Glass now. Uh, adding another pitcher, a good pitcher to that team. Uh, they're going to be their payroll going to be a billion dollars. Well, I mean, Otani is deferring sixty-eight million a year. So, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, deferring. Huh, can you imagine? Um, yeah, and I I heard somebody did an analysis of this the other day. I hadn't thought of it, but the tax rate in California is so high that when he's done with his contract, all of the money he's going to be living in Japan or somewhere else yeah. and not have to pay that state income tax, which I think is really an interesting. So that money's well, going to be worth. I, I can't believe that Major League Baseball is going to let him get away with it because why wouldn't everybody sign these contracts where you can sign the big superstar to whatever it's going to take, but backload their money. Hey, we'll deal with that another day. Let's go get some other talent well, to be around think, them. I don't think every other athlete is in a position to do that. They want the money. And, uh, what what Otani has that other superstars don't have is he's making thirty five fifty million dollars a year in endorsements. Right. So throw another seventy on top of it. I mean, it's a lot of money. Hey, but I'm one of those people who'll be rushing to the, rushing to the ballpark to see him. I've not seen him live in person. I did it to go see uh, Judge when the Yankees were in town. Yeah. You know, and what superstars don't often come along. We were spoiled, right? We've had. Uh, of course, Albert Pujols, and before that, we had Mark McGuire and Ozzie Smith. But a lot of places don't have superstars of that caliber. I'll be down there seeing. Yeah, you know what's, what's interesting about the Cardinals' history? There are very short gaps in the entire timeline of the St. Louis Cardinals where they haven't had at least one Hall of Famer on the team. Mm. Think about that. That's incredible. Um, There's a couple on there now. Well, Nolan Arenado. Uh, yeah. I think is, uh, Maybe Paul Goldschmidt. Could be. Goldschmidt's a little borderline. Is a first, you know, first, every position's got, got a different, right. you know. We got an incoming coach that's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yadier Molina, buddy. Oh, well, there you go. He's, yeah, he's, he's going to be special assistant to uh, John Mozeliak. Yeah, Albert, of course, will be in the Hall of Fame. Well, let's remind everybody, John. Um, first of all, I'm going to go check in with Dave Glover today. You should come out and see us at the Hardee's out in St. Peter's. Fun. Uh, Mid-Rivers in St. Peter's. You can listen to Hancock and Kelly, the television show, on Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Fox 2. Andy Baker is the moderator there. But we're going to stick around to visit with our good friend Amy Markscores. Amy's going to be in. Brad Young from Hairstyle Fisher & Young is going to join here, I think, at noon today or at 11 o'clock today. Uh, but stick around and listen. James O'Sullivan, thank you for your great job on the board. Game OX News is next on The Voice of St. Louis.